0: Alright, welcome back pool fans from across the country and around the world. You're listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is August the 3rd, 2017. Which means that uh, we just wrapped up uh, the action down there in Vegas at the U.S. Open 8-Ball Championship. And congratulations goes out to Mr. Alex Pagalion for taking the title there. That was a hard-fought win. <laughs> he was, uh, was down by several games uh, against Shane Van Boning, one of the best players in the world, and he fought back for the win. Congrats, Alex, Alex, for that. That could not have been easy. And since it's the third, it also means that we're right in the middle of um, the BEF Junior Nationals, also in Vegas there at the South Point Hotel and Convention Center. Our buddies uh, over there at On The Wire Creative Media, they are live streaming that via their Facebook page. So if you guys want to get in on that, go check it out. Lots of great action. Um, these are our future pros. And there's a whole room full, of, room full of them over there having the time of their lives. This is a great event. You guys support it in any way you can. Um, just fantastic stuff watching the kids do that stuff. So, uh, yeah also got a great show for you this week. We're going to be talking to Miss Melinda Bailey down in the great state of Texas and Jim Rimpy, King James himself, one of the world's most successful pool players ever. I'm going to have a chat with him here in a second, so you're going to want to stick around for that. So we'll be right back with Melinda Bailey right after this. All right, welcome back, Melinda Bailey in the great state of Texas. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. What's um? What's the topic for it's this funny. week? Oh, it's, sorry. Go ahead. It's
1: funny when I when I say hello, I wave my hands, even though people can't <laughs> see me. It's
0: kind of funny. Is it like Hi. a? the par- Can you
1: imagine? Hi.
0: Yeah. Is it like the parade wave? You know, with the.
1: Oh no! It's much better than okay, that. Okay. Good. Both hands. It's you know. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, like you know, great hey. shot! You know, they you know, knew. Sort of thing.
0: They can feel you waving. <laughs> they can feel your yeah. wave, Melinda. I know they can. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> um, oh yes! What you got me all thinking about waving now? What's the What's the good Sorry. topic for this week to talk about?
1: Well, in my blog, "Pool is a Journey." On July eighteenth, I talked about something that happened that I witnessed at the Omega tour stop the previous weekend Uh so uh, i wanted to talk about it and the title of it is uh please praise players for a high finish Mm. so let me get a little background the omega billiards tour is a handicap tour and we can go into all the aspects of the good and the bad about it but because it's a handicap tour um a lot of players tend to complain about rankings you know, yeah, sure. that person should be higher, that person should be lower, you know, sort of thing. So what I noticed at this particular tournament, and I'm sure I've noticed it before, but for some reason it was, um, uh, I don't know, I guess more vocal around me this time, <clears throat> was um, a couple players who, well, let me say one more thing it's about the Omega Tours. Our ranking is from 4 to 10. Okay. So 10 is a warm Kianko. And a four is someone who you know is a beginner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So most players are in the seven categories. You can imagine,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and if I had to use like a BCA PL type of system, they're they're kind of advanced. The sevens are kind of like the advanced players, okay. and so the eights would be the masters sort of thing, and sixes would be open players. Okay. That's how I would kind of categorize it. Okay. So anyway, so a uh, a five and a six, you know, so the the you know. uh I don't want to say lower players, but you know what I mean, the players that are new to the game, I guess we'll call that. Okay. There was a, a, a five-player and a six-player that lasted until Sunday and were playing really well. And one of them got fifth place and one of them got seventh place. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was is um, a lot of players were complaining about them. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, self? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I thought to myself, seriously, that like, you know, if it was a non handicapped tour, the people would be would be congratulating them for doing so well. Right. You know, they they would be like, oh my God, you did so good, you know. And and instead they're like, oh, they shouldn't be a five, and oh, they shouldn't be a six. Instead of saying something like, hey, maybe they're having a great tournament, or, you know, maybe they're finally having a good tournament. Because both players, neither of them, have ever lasted until Sunday. And they final last until Sunday, and instead of getting praised by their peers, they're getting complaints.
2: Uh. You know,
1: and you can hear it on the sidelines. I mean, maybe they didn't hear it as much as I did, but, you know, there isn't anyone, I mean, maybe a best friend or something slapping them on the back saying, oh, that's great, you know, but there's so many other players that were like, oh, they're just, you know, they shouldn't be ranked. They're they're obviously underranked, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. And they're mm-hmm. kind of bullied about it. And And I think it's very unfortunate <clears throat> because... If it wasn't handicap, I really feel like there'd be more praise instead of, instead of.
0: Well, you know, yeah, instead blaming. of s- instead of skepticism and suspicion.
1: <laughs> right, instead of questioning the ranking, you know they. I, I mean, I just wish they would have been like, "God, oh, that's great!" You know, he finally got fifth. Not, he shouldn't be a five. You know, sort of thing. Because it, it takes away from them. I mean, the first time we ever last until Sunday in a two day tournament, we're ecstatic. You know, right. like oh my god, I finally did it! And then when they do it on this handicap tour, they're not getting you know the the congratulations. They're getting the well, you shouldn't be there. You know, you played. You yeah. know, it's obvious you played better than that, and you know your rankings wrong. And you know, I think it's just it, and it's a you know coming from someone who runs a handicap tour. It seems weird that I'm saying it, but. I just wish people would would praise them more because we've all been there. I mean, everyone had that first time they lasted until Sunday or the yeah. first time they ever got fifth or the first time they ever got eighth, you know?
0: absolutely. and
1: and and it's and it's a huge feat, and it's usually a milestone. You know, and it's all these things to try to get there and to, yeah. to just be kind of deflated because there's people complaining about you. I, I mean, know.
0: how, I know. how that's, crappy is that? <laughs> it is. It is. Because there you are. Like like you said, you you just had potentially the game of your career and all of a sudden, right. uh, oh, you cheated, you know, because you, you're better than that. You've been sandbagging, whatever, you know. Uh, that's no good.
1: No. And the thing is, is, we use the Fargo ratings, and so the Fargo ratings are, I would say, fairly accurate. I mean, they really are. So it isn't even a judgment call. It isn't even a sandbagging thing. It's, you know, they were just, they really were having a good tournament. And and I was just so disappointed. I mean, I just really, Mm -hmm. I really was. I mean... I just, I don't think we should discourage them with snide remarks or even joke about the ranking, you know, pump them up, congratulate
0: them. (laughs) Well, right. Be a good sport first and foremost, you know what I mean? I mean, if there's a concern, then, then find out if it's legitimate or something, uh, sort of on your own time, so to speak, not when this person is doing well and they just won and you're, you now you're the jerk calling them out, you know? Now, I mean, I can understand (laughs) people being a little suspicious just because there is times occasionally using some of the ranking systems and, and it's not even everybody everywhere. I'm just saying there are specific examples of people that try to take advantage of it sometimes. So I can understand why they might feel that way. However, put yourself in that person's position. Like if you have been practicing and practicing and playing and playing and your game is slowly improving, then one then you're gonna have that day when you do win. Yes. Of course. Yes, it's gonna finally. come to that, you know?
1: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I think I think the other thing about that, you you were leading to it, is that you know, it's not like these are new players of the tour. Right. You know? It's not like it's not like it's a player that's never played before. Right. So they've played for two years, never lasted till Sunday, and the first thing they the first time they do we're getting, oh, my God, you shouldn't be a five, you shouldn't be a six. I'm like, why are y'all, like, I was like, what are y'all doing? It's the first time they've ever done this well. So I think they're probably maybe having a great tournament like we would all wish we can, you know, Mm -hmm. because it kind of helps us propel our game when we, you know, it's a huge milestone to last until Sunday and to get that, you know, to get like in a, a top 12 sort of in a big tournament. Yeah. You know, and so it can help us propel propel us to the next level. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that they're working for and striving for, like you said, practicing and everything. And and um, and it would be different if it was you know a new person. Well, obviously, you know that their ranking may be off, you know. But oh, sure. if that's the case, I wouldn't have wrote the article because because I'm as a tournament director, I look at that stuff. If you're new and I don't have an established Fargo rating, and and you know right. I'm trying to you know gauge who you are, I'm going to be the one that does something about it and you sure. know and, and already be looking at it but you know these are seasoned players that have never done well
0: <laughs> yeah well and the thing is too and i was so
1: proud of them you know I'm this, yeah you know i'm the typical female you know i give them a hug i mean i'm so happy for them you know and then here they are people on the sideline, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bubble you know
0: nice <laughs> well i think that um the now I'm not an expert on the Fargo rate system but I do know a little bit about it and I know enough to know that it you don't if you are concerned at all at all about your ranking it will punish you for sandbagging it you it, it doesn't work like other ranking systems you know what I mean it's no. uh if you are dumping then that shows after a while basically and your numbers will drop so it's not like someone can just manipulate their way into that number. That's right. it. Doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. So, yeah, they
1: didn't. They didn't play for two years under the radar so they could last uh, for that fifth or seventh. Right. <laughs> you know.
0: That's, finally. Yeah, I. think <laughs> That's the most important
1: and I, and I, and point right my, there. Right. and based on my experience, um, they're not going to do well in the next tournament. All right. You know, I mean, it's just. You know, we have that hurrah moment, and yeah. then we go into the next moment with a little bit, our chips a little bit bigger on the shoulder, and you know, and and we falter.
2: Mm. You know,
1: and that that normally what happens. And so, um, so I mean, if the next, if the five or six comes in and they win it, yeah, we're going to be looking into them. But right. <laughs> this next tournament, but you know, it's just uh, they had a great tournament. I
0: was yeah.
1: so sad.
0: Well, <laughs> you know what? That's it. We're going to have to get some. Do you remember the? Um... Mr. Yuck stickers? No. It's a little sticker that they used to give grade school kids. It was a little green round sticker about the size of a quarter. And they would give these out in the schools. And it had an ugly green face on it called Mr. Yuck. And they would have your parents tell them to put those stickers on dangerous products in your house so that children would would recognize that Yuck face. You know, that that Uh was something that they weren't supposed to touch. So I think you need to get some Mr. Yuck stickers, and when you hear pe- <laughs> people talking like that, that they, don't say anything. Just go over to them and give them a Mr. Yuck and say, "Hey, that's not nice." <laughs> All right, they did well finally, and and you be you behave. You know, Go sit right. in the corner or something. But <laughs>
1: and the other thing I uh, want to mention is that. Um, I've actually been uh, bullied about my my handicap before, so uh, mm. like on social media in front of everyone, and it it was really upsetting. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, they it's it's a fact, but something you just don't realize is is a player doesn't normally have a contribution. Um, well, I say that funny, but they don't really have a contribution into what their Fargo is. Right. In other words, I was an open player, and everyone was complaining I was an open player. Mm-hmm. Yet. I'm not the one that determined my ranking. It right. was BCAPL that determined my ranking. Yeah. They're the ones that didn't move me up yet. Or or I shouldn't say yet. I didn't do well in Vegas enough to move up to the advanced or master level. Sure. And so I was still an open player. And then I won BCA State, BCAPL State. And they didn't move me up because I'm still considered an open player at national. So it was their choice to leave me as an open. But every, not everyone, but a few people were like, you know, completely against me on Facebook and openly saying, I hope the other team wins and just all sorts of things. It was really,
2: yeah. it
1: was really tough. I have to say it really was because I was bullied about it. And what they don't understand is, is that I had no control over it. And I kept telling them, I'm like, look, you know, you're getting on at me for being an open player and I have no control uh, over You can be mad at me all right, you want and exactly say all you want. But I, I don't, and so that's the other thing is, you know, it's not, it's not the player's fault really i say fault but it's the tournament director that decides this you know it's the mm. it's the staff that decide what they are right it's right. not you know so you're you're picking on the poor player that probably doesn't want to be a five or six uh, uh, yeah. You
0: know? yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. he might <laughs> wish he was a higher ranking but just can only right. get that as the case may be you never know right. well and that's what i was talking and about so with Fargo rate is that you can't manipulate it. Like you said, it's not no. your fault. It's that it's the games that's do what, what they the do. Fact, the yeah, number, yeah, yeah, the numbers do what they do. And if you have a problem with it, why in the world would you be attacking the player, as opposed I, to going to a tournament director or going to the to uh, Mike Page and saying this doesn't make sense? How is this person a five or a six? You know, well, right? And
1: I and I've gone to him and I've asked him plenty of questions like that. You know, and the only the only people that we really get questioned on are the ones that are unestablished, and we have to go by yeah. notability. Sure. And so I'm watching them closer anyway. I mean, I am. You talk about ruthless tournament director. I move people up and down in the middle of a tournament. I don't care <laughs> if I'm mar- if I got you wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm moving you up because it's not fair to the players. Yeah. And um, so it's not like I'm. You know, we're not watching. You know, as soon as I notice something, oh, well, you know, it's. A six would not hit a shot like that and get draw halfway down the table. You know what I mean? I mean, there's yeah. just you know, I mean, you know, you know, bridges and stances, and you know, you can tell when a player is, is underrated and also overrated. I mean, I've seen the same mm-hmm. thing, and mm-hmm. I've moved players down, but but again, the um, the point is, it's not the player's fault who's a five or six or right. whatever they are. Right. You know, and they're just they should should we should praise them. Raise our hands and (laughs) And
0: praise the player.
1: (laughs) Because I just, I don't know. I just think we should do more, more good than harm. You know.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. We've all been in that. We've all been in that
1: position to finally get to Sunday. Let's not
0: right. Let's not take it be away good sports, it. right? Be good sports, and if you have a legitimate concern, then take it to to the person that has you know something yeah, to do it to with it. Yeah, talk, yeah.
1: Don't talk to
0: the player. Bring it to me. Yeah, there's, that's what I'm there for. Uh, yeah, there, I'm absolutely positive that nobody's paying Fargo Rate to rank their scores. <laughs> so, <laughs> I might be because I'm a
1: tournament. Ah, yes. I'm just
0: kidding. No, that would never no. happen. Not in a million years. No, and
1: we're very, very ethical, very <coughs> fair. fair.
0: Well, awesome, Melinda. That was a good topic. I think that uh, sportsmanship is is should definitely be more of that. You know, good sportsmanship. It's something good to focus on, and uh, praising your fellow players when they do well, just as you would hope that they would do for you.
1: That's a good point too.
0: You know, do one to others. You that want, thing, yeah,
1: right? that's a very good point. You wouldn't want that to happen to you. Yeah. Why do it to someone
0: else? Certainly. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess we could beat that all day. We could probably just complain about it all day if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Melinda. And uh, we will join you guys right here next week on American Billiard Radio. Bye,
1: everyone.
0: All right, welcome back, pool fans, and I am talking to the one, the only, King James, Jim Rimpy himself. <laughs> How you doing, Jim? I'm all
3: right. Good to hear from
0: you. Good, good. What's going on over there in, uh, let's see, what part of the country are you in now?
3: I'm in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I lived here most of my life. I've I've lived other places. I lived in Maryland, California, and different other places. But mainly, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania.
0: Okay, gotcha. So, from the out east there. Very good, very good. Yeah. Well, you have had, oh man, I'm thinking, what is it, like 11 world titles and hundreds of wins and, and, and set some records along the way. I mean, you've been playing professional pool pretty much longer than I've been alive. (laughs) so that's actually it's the
3: only thing I've ever done yeah
0: that is a hell of a um uh, of a of a a resume that you have there so what happened when you were a kid what was the the first sort of your first memory of wanting to play or seeing it played
3: well I'll tell you my story I I was born in Dixon City which is right by Scranton here and uh, Mm -hmm. I was like in a double house and next door there was a store that my aunt owned in the they had a pool table in there, yeah. and my two cousins, they and they could run twenty balls or whatever. So when I was three and four years old, I used to go over there in my pajamas on and <laughs> throw the cue ball at the other balls, and you know that kind of stuff. And yeah. they actually did that for a couple, three years, and, and and I was pretty good at it, like a kid. But so I got angles on my mind. Yeah. And then we moved. We moved to Scranton, and uh, I did all the other sports. I was pretty good in all the sports. Uh, and uh, wait, my wife said something. You know, Anyway, uh, we moved to Scranton and uh, I started doing other stuff. I was a good baseball player and then I threw my arm out. and my brother happened to start going to a pool room downtown. And, and when I heard about that, I, like any other brother, I followed him around and went down the pool room. Yeah. And from there I started playing a little bit a little bit and long story short, after a couple of years, uh, I was playing pretty good. And I'll tell you something for the beginners out there. I played pool for two years in the beginning and never knew what side english was i hit everything (laughs) high or low and all that and i didn't know to put side english on i mean i think that's the best way to learn but anyway uh, you know i did that a lot of hustlers came through scranton and i played all of them uh, and i was beating every one of them every one and uh, you know i was getting ready to graduate high school and richie ambrose wanted to take me to new york Uh, and well i made a couple you know the local towns around and everything and uh, so i started with richie ambrose in new york and from there, I met more and more people, little Miami, uh, uh, Isaiah Gonzalez was his name. He was a, probably the best one hand player to ever lived. But uh, he took me down to Richmond and things like that, and I met more people. And uh, as I come to realize, every town had a hometown hero. It was different back yeah. in them days. Yeah. And I wasn't a hustler. I was just going to hometowns where I would hear about a guy that was a good player and, and just play him. Yeah, and and then I met other road guys like Toby Sweet, and we'd pass things out. Uh, you know, like well, you can go here and play this guy here, and go that and play that guy, and things like that. And So there was, this, like, we we're swapping spots back and forth.
2: Yeah, but
3: every town had a hometown hero, and you can play. You know, there was at that time five, ten, twenty dollar nine ball everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And so it was easy to go out, and that's what I would do. I'd go out for a couple couple months, make a bunch of money, come back home. I bought a brand-new Cadillac when I was 18 years old.
2: <laughs> uh, but I'd stay
3: home, blow the money, and then go back out and, and, and try to run this story pretty quick. And then uh, and then, after about six years of that, nobody knew nobody because there was no magazines or anything. So it was yeah. easy just walking into a place, making sure, of course, that there was no trouble in the place. I, I, I would try to stay away from those places. Yeah. But then I was starting to get a little known from that, and uh, uh, then I was getting invited to tournaments. In fact, Weenie Beanie called me to play in a tournament. I told him no, and uh, the guy from the Hawk's Nest in, in Pittsburgh wanted me to play. I said no, and, but I was starting to get pretty well known, and then I started playing in tournaments, I guess, uh, 1970, mm-hmm. and I went to Weenie Beanie's tournament. Yeah. Uh, it was the, it, at that time, it was called the, uh, the U.S. Open. Right. And it, and it was called the U.S. Masters.
0: US and that's Masters. when it switched
3: okay. over to Barry Berman yeah. after that. Yeah. But that's where it originally started, at Weenie Beanies, Guys and Dolls.
0: Gotcha. And,
3: and I won the first tournament I played in. Cool. Uh, and it was like, you know... A great feeling. But before okay. that go any further, I used to when I was fifteen, sixteen, I used to go to New York and watch the straight pool players play, all the legends with Luther Lasseter yeah. and Jimmy Moore and all those kind of guys. And it was such a thrilling thing because they played in a in a a ballroom with chandeliers with tuxedos in it. Yeah. Had a different flair about it than it than it has now. And it was Definitely. theatrical. Yeah. And that's where I got the love of the game and watching the they took the balls off the table was Impressive, and the more you watch them, the more you started to learn that it wasn't just knocking balls in a hole, that there was a
0: yeah. whole,
3: you know, deeper side of the game. Definitely, and then, and then from there, I started playing tournaments, and I, and I, I happened to win a lot of them, uh, right. you know, through those years.
0: Yeah, so you started off playing nine ball primarily, then
3: no, straight pool. Straight pool, I, so I'll tell you, the straight pool players last longer than the nine ball players because. Yeah there's more knowledge in the game sure uh, you know so you, it could carry you through your later years there was a guy at that time called onafrio lori yes that he was 83 and he was really competitive yeah uh, just because of the knowledge absolutely and and it was a different game than what it is now because it had a thick nap and in the boy you know
2: it's yes. you
3: had to know how to play to play good and to last long hmm. today everything is just Making balls, I mean, you know, through my whole career, there was guys that come in and out of the game that, you shot makers, they would make everything for, and they'd last for a year two, sometimes three years, but they couldn't last mm. because the knowledge couldn't overcome them. Making those long shots don't hold up after a while. The pressure gets too much for you.
2: Right. You have
3: to know how to get close to the ball, and It makes the game easier. So knowledge comes into it where today it doesn't. It doesn't mean these players today can't do it. They just don't have to do it.
0: Right. Like right. when you hit
3: a hit a pack of balls, they open wide up. There's no two balls sticking together nowhere. It's just yeah. taking them off the table. So you're seeing guys run two, three hundred balls like it's easy. Yeah. Well, to run fifty balls back in my day <laughs> yeah. was tough, and we used to get applauded when you run fifty, especially when you're when you ran a hundred. Yeah. Oh heck yeah. But it, heck it's yeah. different today.
0: Well, it is. Now, let me ask you this real quick before we get ahead of ourselves. Did you ever get a chance to go to any of the Johnson City stuff?
3: Yeah, I went to. I won uh, the first time I went there. I won the uh, uh, the World One Pocket in nineteen seventy one. I beat Ronnie excellent. Allen twice in the finals. That was a real excellent. I still have that trophy. I gave most of my trophies away, but I still got that one because that was a a, a great tournament. I didn't. I wasn't a really good one. Pocket player, even in my heyday. I mean, I was good, but my best right. suit was running eight and out. Yeah, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Allen knew how to move b- balls um, way better than I did. But sure. the eight and out always won. But I beat him twice in the finals. That was a big one.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, were you there the I next was the, year? I, uh, the next year? Well, yeah, the following so year, said, yeah, when they got uh, yeah. the whole place got shut down. <laughs>
3: yeah, I was there. I was one of the guys that <laughs> I was one of the guys they dragged into a pit. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Yeah, uh, I was I I was waiting for Cole Dixon to get done. He was in the semifinals, so they had a room in the back, uh, well, another building in the back where you used to, you know, that's where everybody gambled or yeah, yeah. Did whatever they did besides the tournament. And and uh, so I, I told. Uh, There's a name uh, for
0: that though. Petey what's Fusco. then? The, what's the name of that other the back room though? I know what you're talking about. Um, it had a name though. Was it? It wasn't the pit. It was uh, like the lounge or something. Or oh, crap. something
3: like that. The pit was the tournament room. Right. It yeah. Down in a pit.
0: Yeah. yeah there was something lounge. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: But anyway, so so me and Petey Fusco went to the other place, and we were going to play a game of straight pool while I was waiting for Cole Dixon to get done. So when we started playing, it was cold, they had the heat turned off, so uh, we said, ah, let's go back to the tournament room. So on the way back to the room, I put my cue in the trunk of my car, and I had I had one above 40 some 100 dollars, which was a lot of money in them days. Yeah. And I just stuck it in the trunk of my car. i never done that before in my life. And, and so we walked into the tournament room, we weren't in there 10 minutes, a hand came on my shoulder, this is a raid. And they picked out eight or nine of us to walk down the pit and told us all to empty out our pockets <laughs> and all that. Everybody's throwing their money out on the table, uh, and all I had in my pocket was seven hundred dollars that I I had won in prize money. Yeah. So they were taking everybody's money, and I said, "You can't take that. That I just won that in the tournament. Here's the receipt and all that." So, so they they. They didn't take my money, but they took everybody else's. We here. Yeah. I stuck that money in the trunk. That <laughs> yeah, was funny. We we all went to St. Louis after that. The, the, I think there was seven or eight of us went to St. Louis, and we all got a lawyer and just took the fifth. Yeah. Because they weren't after us for gambling. They were sure. after, uh, you know, uh, Jansko for booking out of there. Yeah.
0: yeah and yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. true
3: story about them blowing up the safe and all that. They really did blow up the safe to get all the, the receipts and stuff like
0: really? that. Really? Really? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Did, now, did you have to go to court? Did you have to make a court appearance for that?
3: Yeah, I had to make a court appearance. Yeah, okay. we got a lawyer, went to the court, and yeah. I raised my hand and took the fifth and the whole bit.
0: Well, I mean, was That's that 100. was that the same day that uh, uh, that that fatty showed up and and talked him out of it or something like that?
3: No, Fat, Fatty didn't go to the court thing. They were after Fatty a little because he was running his mouth about big money and everything, yeah. which he always did, but
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. he really didn't do
3: anything around there.
2: Right, right, and right,
3: right. we had to go to St. Louis from from where the terminal was, which was, I don't know, 70 miles or something like that. Then sure. we just went there and made our court appearance, and that was the end of it.
0: Yeah, now there's a story floating around where when you guys all had to show up in court, allegedly Fats came, even though he had not necessarily been arrested or subpoenaed or whatever uh, he he came this now the story goes like he shows up and gives some kind of a speech to the judge or whoever or the prosecutor or somebody and they got such a kick out of it that they basically let everybody off a court, I mean, that's how the story went. I don't know if that happened or not, but there, there is. A- you
3: know, I think you're actually true about that. I wasn't in the courtroom when that happened, but he went in there and he did something, but that's not the reason they let us off. It's just oh, okay. because we took the fifth.
2: Okay. And okay. like
3: I said, they were after Polly Jansko for that. Yeah. But yeah, I think he did because he made everybody laugh. You know, he was a real character.
0: Yeah. Well that he was a really character. Yeah. I started
3: he started to believe his own stories. <laughs> I know he believed his own stories.
0: <laughs> Ironically, uh, right right now I have a picture on the wall right next to me of uh Fatty and Cole Dixon standing in the pit in front of one of the tables from that occasion. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's, a, it's yeah. a fantastic photo. So you were able yeah. to go there. Those were um Wow, that was a whole different era, too. I mean,
3: yeah. Plus, people don't understand <clears throat> the tournaments used to last a month long, three yeah, weeks to a month long. For sure. Even in Vegas, you had to spend the whole time in Vegas. Everybody was broke by the time they yeah, left absolutely, there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
3: But we were playing for 1,500 first prize most of the time. It was, you know, it was more the gambling at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you when you uh, when you started playing in regular tournaments regularly, did you? Stop gambling or playing other, you know, in other places, or did and, and focus just on tournaments, or were you still just playing wherever you? Well, could? no,
3: I still from from there. It was more challenge matches. I mean, to go, you know, specifically to play one person, you know, in a, gotcha. in a different town that was a really good player. I did a bunch of that, and yeah. there was a lot of a lot of action in like Detroit. There was main pool rooms around the country. Where, you know, uh, what was the place in Chicago? There was what, uh, what was the name of the pool room?
0: Benzing- was it? Benzingers or Benzingers? Benzingers? Benzingers. Yeah. yeah,
3: Benzingers was there. I mean, uh, the place in Detroit had a lot of action at it. Everybody was there. Yeah. Weenie Beanies had a lot of people playing there. There was a place in Jacksonville, Florida. And was, you, you remember Sammy Blumenthal?
0: I know the name.
3: He was one of the best players ever lived, Sammy. I mean, he never played in tournaments or anything, but he was a great, great player.
0: Awesome, awesome.
3: I I've seen all those guys play, the Don Willises and people that uh, Mm -hmm. nobody's even heard of that were just great players. Yeah. Don (laughs) Willis used to go across the country losing in every town and then make a backtrack and win. (laughs) Coming back. (laughs) There was no, I mean, the hustlers, when you hear the stories about hustlers, it wasn't hustlers. It, was hustlers, it was like I told you, playing the best player. Yeah. There was only, uh, there was only, like, uh, what was his name, uh, Jack, uh, uh, I can't think of his name offhand, but he was the only true hustler, he... He would go and spend time on one particular guy, and then you know lay down, lay down, and finally take him off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you
0: know, now yeah. uh, of all the games, is it safe to say that straight pool was your favorite, or did you grow to love nine ball later, or just what do you? What's your favorite I game? I all the games.
3: Over? I loved all the games, but I preferred straight pool because it was a classier game, and you so, had to have knowledge to play it. So, you know, picking the balls out of the stack and you know oh, dead yeah. shots and all that was. Absolutely. It was more interesting than just you know everybody running one through nine make the nine and win.
0: Mm-hmm. Now what you
3: know it, it was just it just a better game.
0: Oh, I, I yeah, it was
3: classier. But, I totally you know, I feel agree. bad for these players today. They don't get to play in that kind of environment with the you know the class. Uh, yes,
0: I agree. Yeah. I totally. And, agree. And you know when
3: I won, I won the. Um, 1975 world nine ball in burlington iowa and that was probably one of the biggest crowds i played in front of there was about four thousand people there for the finals
2: mm-hmm.
3: and from there that was my breaking point because uh there was other countries there and i and i met some guys from japan mm-hmm. who i met actually they were in some of the new york Strait Bowl tournaments and when i won that 75 world nine ball they got they invited me to japan to play with 13 other countries played in it mm-hmm. uh, cool and, and And so when I won that, I won, there was three divisions. I won two of the divisions and the overall titles. From there, I met all these other countries and they all wanted me to come to their country. (laughs) And I was like the first player going around doing all that. And I made tours, you know, every city in Australia, all through Europe, all through Japan, every little city. We stayed at the the, the Kyushu Island, we stayed at the Emperor's uh, Palace they gave us the palace to, to stay there for a couple, three days. Awesome. I mean, so I, I've got to travel more than you can imagine.
0: That's fantastic, it,
3: man. Anyway, from there, I did all the international things, and then uh, the pool got a little... Some players screwed it up. Uh, like, players always screw themselves because they do things cheaper than another guy, and it ruined it. Some yeah. guys started going for, uh, you know, just free trips or $200 for an exhibition in a day. where I was getting way more than that, but... Right. But then it died out because of that, and and then I got invited to the one good story. I got invited to England to play English pool, yes. which is like the the pub version of our pool. Right. they play on a, the championships are on a four x eight snooker table. Yeah. So I went over there and I went over you know with the King James cue that I had, and that, they got a big kick out of that. But I won the <laughs> tournament on TV, but Eddie Charlton in the finals, and then the next year I won it again, but I beat. Joe Barber who was the favorite playing me he was from Malta <laughs> and when I beat him, before I started playing him he had his agent go out and get these these uh, little flags and everybody was waving a Maltese flag
2: uh,
3: and I had, I had an agent at that time because I was doing exhibitions over there and he got me this giant flag right so I didn't know what to <laughs> so I walked down with the big flag and everything and after I won the tournament, I jumped up on the table and waved the, waved the American flag, <laughs> yeah. and they said, and he's waving the Union Jack, the world champion for the second time, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, they showed that on the highlights of sports for a solid year. It was on TV almost every night, <laughs> and from there, I, but but from there I got a, a contract with a brewery and a cigarette company to play the. You know, they, like the Bar Leagues, yeah. they, they they played the whole year long, and I <laughs> had to do a tour to play the top 40 players. <laughs> so for the whole year, because the breweries owned the bars, yeah. and, and there was 3,800 of them, they had this poster going. It was about a foot and a half wide, and it surrounded the whole building inside. It was Damn. all the way around it, in, in 3,800 bars. Plus, I did a... a uh, the coasters for drinking off coasters. Yeah. I did a six instructional thing and six trick shot thing That they were drinking off my coasters too. <laughs> so, so, so for us for over a year they did all this kind of stuff with me on TV all the time doing radio interviews like this one.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I couldn't walk out on the streets nowhere in London or anywhere around there without being recognized. I mean, I was wow. more recognizable than Elton John or I'm not Elton John, <laughs> but uh, but the, the golfer and all that. Like you know nicholas would have been or any of them yeah i mean it was just phenomenal
2: that is phenomenal well known i was that but is. that
3: got burnt up because the snooker was so much on tv and then now the pool is starting to get a lot of exposure and the snooker said to them well if you're going to do that we're starting to overexpose the games and they said either knock out this or we're taking our contract from you yeah so they yeah, yeah. Uh, they knocked out the pool and that was the end of it I was I thought that was my break. You know how every player or everybody gets a break in life where it changes yeah, their
0: life? Right.
3: Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. Uh, right. And right. I was getting ready to get my own flat and they were gonna set up a chain of billiard rooms with my name on it and the whole bit. But wow. once they took it off T V that was the end of it. Yeah.
0: Wow. Holy cow, man. Yeah. Imagine yeah, if they had gone fun. the other way. Yeah. And that's the you know, if they had decided to not go with snooker, you know, what would have happened? That kind of a thing, you know. Yeah.
3: You <laughs> never know what what, what way God's going to lead you in life. You right.
0: know that. Well, yeah, and what would have what would pool be like today if they had stuck with it? You know, it might yeah. be a whole different uh, ball of wax than it is right now. Anyway.
3: Yeah, pool had a lot of chances. Uh, I mean, it really yeah. did. I mean, the players were their own worst enemies, and. You know, always undercutting the other guy. I mean, it was like, keep them broke, you can control them then. Yeah. And, and it's the same way. Now I hear about what they're playing for, it's like ridiculous. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And what they did with taking the play out of the game, I mean, the game isn't even a good game no more. It, it really isn't. I mean, it's just knocking balls in the hole. And not saying the guys couldn't learn to do it, but would there would only be a handful of them that would have come out, you know, being great players.
0: Sure, uh, sure, sure.
3: It's, it's easy to knock balls in a hole once you get a stroke. Right. Well, the, let me ask shan- you... It, because it is one of the best games around. It really is. I,
0: I agree with you. And so I'm going to ask you a question related to that. Um, why, well, I'll, I'll get to the game itself question in just a second, but I had a, a, a related question first. That the Americans used to be the dominant pool players in in the world, and now not so much. We've got fantastic people from all over Europe and Asia, and it seems like here we are with just a barely a handful of people that can keep up with that. Why do you think that is? Why? Why do you think that? I mean, like I know there's economics involved and stuff, but what do you think? What's Jim Rimpy's opinion on this?
3: Well, it's, uh, it's mainly because of economics. I mean, the people that come know about pool, and pool players are always down on themselves anyway, saying there's no money, there's no money. Who, who wants to get into a game right. where there's no money? Right. And, it, I mean, pool is a tough game. You can't just walk in and start knocking balls uh, in a hole. Right. I mean, it, it's way tougher than it looks
0: absolutely you know,
3: i always say most people think they're good players until they see a really good player play and, and, and you that, know they know they wow. can't play yeah well actually and they still think they can play but uh, <laughs> you know it's just tough tough it, it, that's the truth that's yeah. why the, when, when i was traveling around everybody every hometown hero really thought they were the best player in the world uh, yeah but uh, but it's mainly that and uh, and uh, would they keep changing the game now they can change it to this fast cloth i mean it's too. I mean, you can't get a, a consistent winner. We don't have no, no superstars in our sport no more. You know, some right. people aren't interested in it.
0: Right. Well, I think that might be the key right there. Is that if there's no money, if you can't make a career out of it, then you can't dedicate the time it takes to play at the top level. So maybe right. that's. It's been You know, we've had so many uh, years here of. Uh, pool players not being able to make a career out of it that that now there's just a few of them that are up on the yeah. top level instead of bunches like they used to be.
3: Yeah, well, you know, in in the '70s and early '80s, I mean, I, if you started naming players that you were you think are good players now, you can name maybe ten to one back then. There was a right. lot of real good players back in the, in the '70s because right. everybody played pool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, and all
3: the pools were downtown. There's then the shopping centers and everything. They weren't, they weren't even around at
0: that time. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. There wasn't such thing as shopping malls and uh, you know, uh, giant sports arenas. I mean, there wasn't but a few of them anyway. There there were sports arenas, but uh, mm, you know, things are different. What do you think it's going to take? What do you think uh, would bring professional pool back uh, to its uh, former, or at least close to its former glory?
3: I've always said there's only one way. You got to make superstars out of some of the players and make sure they make a lot of money to where people get interested in them. That's what they did with the snooker players and made them right. poster boys. Yeah. So it's going to take some kid that inherits a bunch of money and wants to throw away ten, twenty million, or yeah. whatever it might cost, but right. to hire the right, you know, promotion people, the right, you know, the people that know how to do that kind of stuff. Yes. And 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 put some big money into a few tournaments and. Mm-hmm. you know advertise them galore and make you know somebody gonna win you know a million dollars at least yeah and that's what it would take these days to make people watch something
0: yeah well and, and that and, would bring and, them out of the woodwork you too you, you
3: know? that would bring I the, couldn't hear that.
0: that would bring the players out of the woodwork too if you were really putting up yeah. that kind of money you'd have people clawing and fighting for that like they should be you yeah.
3: know yeah. Everybody would want to play pool. Do you know when the pool had a couple of heydays, it looked like it was going to go, like when the, the, the color money came out? Yeah. You couldn't buy a, ta- couldn't buy a table or a cue or a cue case, or you couldn't get nothing nowhere. That's how many people got interested in pool. I was with the Adam's Cues at the time. They were selling 10,000 pool cue cases a week wow. in, in Japan. And the cheap ones, and girls were using them as purses and whatever, just because it had something to do with pool. <laughs> and it had a chance to go at that time.
2: Yeah. It really did
3: have a chance to go at that time. And a company over here kept it back because they were the number one company, and only one percent of their whole business was billiards. But you know, the guy that ran the company, as long uh-huh. as his numbers were, you know, it's five six percent a year up. I mean, they didn't want to put money into it and, and cause people to be competitors.
2: Right, right. And
3: so, so, and, and it, it's been like that ever since. Every time somebody came around and wanted to promote it, they somebody would chop their their, their heels yeah,
0: off. Yeah, yep. You're absolutely right. But
3: that's, but that's what it's going to take. I mean, until some kid inherits some money that likes the game and wants to just dedicate, you know, just. Throw some money away and let somebody do it that knows what they're doing. Well, but you have to yeah. make superstars. You have to get yeah. a couple people, or two or three people, or at least one, make a lot of money. So we're and make them a star.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's unfortunate that uh, someone like Brunswick doesn't step up, because or Diamond, for that matter, or you know one of the other manufacturers, because because of professional pool being in sort of a limbo right now it wouldn't be hard to yeah, to yeah. put those events in place because the players even for the
3: whole whole even for the whole group of companies i, I <laughs> uh, a yeah. guy came up with a good idea one time and went went to one of the bca meetings and says well, why don't you guys put up you know like one percent or a half percent of your of your gross and and just put it into the promotion of the game
2: right exactly. and well that was
3: brunswick that shot that down Because they didn't want the competition. (laughs) But they don't want to do that. And and the other... Diamond and people like that don't have the money by themselves to do it.
0: Right, right, right. You're right, though. Collectively, they could put an organization together and, you know, have some funding for it, permanent funding for it.
3: But they won't because they don't want the competition. Yeah. In other words, it's not going to come directly back to their company. Right. One of the biggest mistakes I made in my career was doing endorsements for a company and not putting in the in a contract where they had to spend at least 50% of what they were paying me to promote my name. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when I got with a company, they just promoted their name. They didn't promote my name. Yeah. I did all my promotion myself, which yeah. you know was whatever, most of it was word of mouth or, or, or doing a lot of exhibitions and just traveling around. Sure. But the, you, you, you've got to promote the player, not the company.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I
3: agree. I mean, you don't see these big basketball players putting their names on on different things, but their name is the biggest rather than, well, maybe Nike is, but other companies uh, yeah. you don't hear about the company here about the about the guy the endorser.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Like a pair of Michael Jordan shoes, they're called Michael Jordans yeah. for a reason.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who makes, my, that's the perfect example. I don't even know who makes Michael Jordan shoes, but I know Michael Jordan.
0: Uh, right, exactly.
3: Uh, you know the tables when i started playing used to be uh, 31 inches high the bed the bed of the table uh-huh. and now they're down to 29 and a quarter for somebody that's almost six two like me been getting down that low i had to bring my head way back to keep looking out for the <laughs> shot so, so i mean it got tough uh, it, it got tough to play uh, you know on my back and it started hurting a little bit and, uh, but the reason they did that I don't know if this is true, but I think it's true. Uh, they did that so they can get an extra table in a container. Ah, uh, okay.
0: It could be. It could yeah, be. I think
3: that's true. But, I mean, the, the, the screw-down legs are always screwed up to 29 and a quarter now, but all the wooden tables are all 29 and a quarter,
0: huh. and that's
3: way too low. It's good for the Orientals and people like that because you're looking straight out.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, but shorter. for Americans,
3: yeah. it's, it makes the it game tough.
0: Yeah, right. So you, you decided to uh, get out of professional pool because uh, you just didn't like the way it was headed?
3: Well, I didn't see no more future in it. I mean, I accomplished all my goals. I, I, I mean, the game's probably treated me better than anybody else as far as, like, that's the only thing I've ever done to, to make a living. I didn't have no businesses or anything like that. I mean, I made it all from from the endorsements or just by playing in tournaments and challenge matches and exhibitions and,
2: right, 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 right. and
3: that kind of thing. So I'm the only player that, that, that survived it like that, and, and God's treated me pretty good with the whole thing because I've always had a home, nice car. I mean, uh, you know, I'm still with the same woman all these years, Sal. <laughs> My wife and we've been together. That's unheard of anymore.
0: Right? (laughs) It really is, uh, especially amongst pool players. uh, That was
3: probably the main reason. (laughs) Plus, I was getting older, and and, you know, where was what was I going to do from there? You know, because it was easier to lose. Like I said, they 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 took the knowledge out of the game, so I didn't have that edge no more. Right. And and so, in fact, I had. When I quit, I it was in 2002. I won. I came in second at the at Trump Casino tournament, and then I I went and I won a, a Zuglin tour, and I was on my way uh, to another Zuglin tournament. And I said, What am I doing? I don't want to do this no more. And I turned around and came home, and I never never played in competition again. <laughs> and at that time, you know, a year later after I quit, that's when. Uh, Trudeau came around with the two with the million dollar tournament and the two million dollar uh, yeah. tournament. Yeah, it, And I hadn't played in about a year and a half, and I was building this house where I'm in now, and I and I couldn't get away from anything, and I didn't play in those two, which turned mm-hmm. out okay. Well, I mean, I could have made some money at the tournaments, but uh, uh, I seen that wasn't going to go. I I, I knew yeah. that wasn't going to have a chance to go.
0: Yeah, that one kind of fell apart. <laughs> the wheels fell off.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and everybody else that came into the game, I mean, I always did something. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the association we had when Camel cigarettes—it looked like it was going to go—and that got all screwed up. The players cut off their own feet again. One player—I yeah. mean, I got a bunch of stories about all that stuff. There was a conference call where they tapped into the conference call and tried to break the association up. That's when we had the big lawsuit down in the down south, and we sued. We sued Camel uh, and. We won that suit that we got a million and a half for the thing or something like that, and Don Mackey swung with all the money, another one. <laughs> and, and and But they tried to deliberately break up the association. They got that on the phone and everything like that, and, and the jury says, how come you didn't try to get punitive damages? And we, I don't know. We, you know I didn't know what was going on. None, none of the players knew, but we should have. They said they would have given us a lot of money.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah,
3: that was that was sickening to hear that. All he was worried about is getting his end. <laughs> I mean, his not his end, all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. This is true. Well, and it's unfortunate yeah. that 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 after Brunswick stepped out of of sponsoring and supporting the entire professional system, it was just this uh, barren land for people to come in and set up events and start being promoters. And some of them yeah. have been good, and some of them have been not so good, <laughs> unfortunately.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, at one, at one time, I mean, they were, I mean, what they're adding to tournaments now, I think the players got to pay to play for themselves. I think they're actually paying, you yeah. know, with their entry fees and whatever else. I mean, the, whoever's running tournaments don't even put up any money, except a couple tournaments like the U.S. Open or whatever put up a little bit. Yeah. But the, there's nobody else. They're going. I, there's a tournament in Maryland coming up, I heard, the $60 entry fee, and you got all these players that haven't played in a while going down there for, you know, whatever. I mean, like a donut. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it really is.
2: Yeah, it's it is. It's a shame.
3: Like I said, it's probably the best game ever. And, and once you can educate the people to let them know what's going on, you know, again, like they did in, with, the, with the snooker, I mean, uh, you could make a class act out of a game, that which would... Uh, people would love yeah no. what else can you do with it you can do this in your home you can take the lessons in your home you can i mean as, as pool is suited for so much it's just nobody wants to do it i'd love to write a book you know and, and explain a lot of other stuff that we don't have time to talk about but you need a publisher to get it out there and i, I wouldn't do a book till i know i had a publisher Yeah. yeah but yeah. i got a zillion stories i got some great stories you know <laughs> the road stories yeah
0: heck yeah uh, well, maybe we'll have you back on the show every week and you can give us a new <laughs> a new story every week.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I got some dandies. I mean, I got some dandies.
0: Well, good.
3: But I I don't know if you'd want to hear any of them now, but uh, like I said, if you want me back, I can I can tell you a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. We'll get together for some stories. I don't why not? I'm not going to take up too much of your time today so I you
3: got we got to get the image of the either either we got to run with the hustling thing or let the you know give the people what they want or 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 get it washed away I mean everybody's got a world view of something you know I mean so you've got to make the image and do what you want to do with the image keep the image like it is which I don't agree with yeah uh, or make it a classy affair
0: well yeah I mean there's that it's funny that that it's interesting, I should say, that pool has that dichotomy. It has the two sides. There's that, uh, like you said, the hustler, the excitement, the gamble, the 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 pressure, the the dark pool halls with the mystique and the and the mysterious player that you don't know and all that kind of stuff going on. That's there's in-
3: none of that no more. There's none of that really. I mean, there, it's worse than the golf courses and a bowling alley. Yeah, like, I was just, gonna say there is in
0: pool and then you're supposed to have this professional end of it where everybody's in the tuxes and it's it's prestigious and it's uh you know it's a honorable thing. You know, that's where the uh, the fame I think is really going to shine if we can make something truly professional happen. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah mean,
3: and pool players are dying off quick too. I mean, yeah. I mean they're going to lose all this knowledge and never be able to to you know get it back and if they change tables i guess there's a chinese table coming out that people are playing on now yeah i haven't i haven't seen it or whatever and they're promoting it yes do you know what i'm talking about yes i, I haven't seen that yet but,
0: yeah uh, they're uh they yeah, picked changed. up um what's it uh, the moscone cup is going to be using their tables i think from now on or at least for the time being now the rassan table they're
3: going to use that they're going to use that in the Moscone Cup. Yeah. Like it's a whole new game. It's a whole new type of game, isn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's they're changing the table. So I mean, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so you know.
3: Yeah. Well, like I said, everybody's dying off. I mean, so I mean, the, the game of what we knew is going to be gone. Hmm. Yeah. It's a little scary. What's your world view on that? What do you think happens when you die? <laughs> That's a, that's I mean, what do you think? What what do you think? I'm sure people would want to know that answer better more than about the pool question.
0: <laughs> that is a good question, though. That is a good question. Um, I got
3: the answer to that. I got the answer to that. Oh, yeah? I really do. Uh, okay. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I mean, you know... Listen to me, just two minutes. Yeah, sure. You know that people talk about Bible thumpers and all that kind of stuff. You know, everybody has a Bible somewhere like that. If you ask anybody, they always tell you something about it that somebody else told them, or they listen to the preachers on TV. And, you know, 95 of those, 98% of those preachers on TV don't have a clue what's in there. They don't even read it. No. But I took the time out in the last 15, 20 years to find out what was in that thing. And it's... It's so true, You, I mean, it's, it's hard, to, it's not hard, to, it's easy to understand once you start finding out about it, but it's so true, and it just tells you, that you, I mean, you'll know if you're going to heaven or hell, because there's only two places to go, and either <laughs> your worldview, your worldview is either there is a God, or there's not a God, that's the only two worldviews there is, and if there's a God, you better know him, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's, it really is. Right. I mean, right. you got to find out for yourself. You can't listen to nobody else.
0: That's true. I agree but with that. I, I agree found
3: with that. out, and I'm so happy I found out about that stuff.
0: Good, good. That's fantastic. But
3: if I you. could do anything for Paul, pool, I'd love to see. I, I've always said I'd love to win a lottery and me be the one to put up the money and, and you know, just do it and, and not worry about making money. I, I see so many millionaires. I've been around all kind of people. There's so many millionaires out there that don't have a clue what to do with their money. You're right. And then to, to take on an assignment or something like this... Uh, would be a, a fun thing
0: to do, I think. Oh yeah, you could make a a very fun thing to do. I mean, really, that's yeah. yeah. Th- there is make- um, that the uh, what you call it? I'm thinking of Derby City I- I- is an example that pops into my mind where there's so much pool going on at that event that it's fun for those people to be there. That's what the rest of the public doesn't know anything about that. If they saw that and knew that these guys were going there to have this much fun and it was that big of a blast to do it, that's another reason, another way to get that pool exposure out there is for people to see that up close and personal. Look at this. This is a blast.
3: Yeah, and, and the way the world is now, with everybody's got these uh, these phones with with TV screens on it, I would have loved to have that when I was playing pool. <laughs> I mean, let people just see, you know, let people see you. You know, I mean, everybody can tune in and watch whatever they want to oh, watch. Yeah, and, you know, we had a show that we were going to do way back in the late '70s. It was called the uh, Chalk It Up and Talk It Up with Jim Show, and it was like a reality show. Cool. And and we started doing the first one. I got hit with an iron wheel and it cut my head wide open, and that stopped that. But it was a good idea because pool was popular, and people would have tuned in to find out what was going on, yeah. and followed the tour, and talked to the players, and all that kind of stuff. It would have, it would have been successful at that time. Yeah. Now I don't think it will be because nobody knows anything about pool anymore.
0: No yeah. No, that's what we need: more education, more exposure, everything. I mean, there's. It just... And it boils. Sorry, go ahead. Boils
3: down to you got to make a superstar. We need a superstar. You need some kid, good-looking kid that knows how to talk and and, uh, and put a bunch of money in his pocket.
0: Right, and get his name all over every you know Coca-Cola can in the country.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. That's exactly you what know, we need. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, Jim, I think we've taken up enough of your time for today. So I want you to know I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
3: Well, I enjoyed it, Dave. I would have loved to tell some stories, but next time.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. Like I said, we'll get we'll get you back on here. We'll we'll do, you know, the world according to Jim or something, you know. That'll be fun.
3: <laughs> All right.
0: All right. We'll talk to you again soon.
3: All right. Everybody listening to this, keep your head down and follow through. <laughs> All
0: right. You heard the man, follow through. We'll catch you right, right here next week on American Billiard Radio.